1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In 1877. The earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory. At the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. The international break is over. England qualify for Euro 2020, albeit marred by the horrific scenes in Bulgaria. We talk about that, the rest of the international break and what it means for Wolves. We also look ahead to Southampton too. The way effective comes from John Bailey at Saints FC podcast. And we chat Bratislava and the Europa League. We wolves, eh, we? Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the 77 Club. Harry, we will start with the socials. The Wolves 77 Club on Facebook and Instagram, at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter. And please follow us on there because we're, we're close to 2,000 followers. Spotify, iTunes, please rate and subscribe. That's probably the best you've ever done that. And your other pundits are Dan Bayliss. Hello, Wolves fans. And Jack Williams. Hello, everybody. The international break is over. We always love to see that, but obviously overshadowed hugely uh, by England's game against Bulgaria and I think the opening question because you know there's been a lot said since on Monday night and sort of a lot of water's gone to the bridge and it's one of those developing stories as well so the first question I want to ask and we'll go down, go around in turns to answer it is should England's players have walked off the pitch Harry 
Yes, I think they should have. I mean, yes. I mean, it's harder for us to tell just watching it on TV um, via that method exactly what they were hearing and what was going on. But I think, obviously, they chose not to ultimately. But if they had, then they had had the support of everybody back home. So um, it was down to them, really. But uh, you know, that they have should have the right to be able to walk off um, if any amount of racism is is used towards them. I believe. And Dan, they had the option. Uh, Southgate gave them the option at halftime. Said if you know if you want to walk off, then you have my blessing. It's one of those, isn't it? Where I, I suppose smashing them six nil is letting the football do the talking. But are we a little bit past that now? No, I think they did the right thing by staying on. I think the way to confront it is to just play the football through it and deal with it through the under channels. I know it's awful for the players that obviously lived through the experience of it, but it's a football match at the end of the day and if the Bulgarian authorities and the people inside the ground aren't going to get these people out, then we have to stop letting these sort of third world neo-Nazi countries play in the competitions. Harry, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's one of those stories where the back pages become the front pages of newspapers and so on. How much of an impact will this have, do you think, on world football? Because obviously England are huge players in this and for a team like England to be getting such racist abuse, do you think this will be the, the turning point of something happening, real change? Probably not, no, because it's happened many times, hasn't it? And nothing big's happened. I think if the pl- players would have walked off, even though it's been huge news, it'd have been a massive statement, wouldn't it? That would have spread round like wildfire, England walking off and just like, sacrificing the result which let's be honest no one's even spoke about the game have they it's been about the terrible like stuff that went on in the stands so I don't know mate I mean UEFA as much as they pretend they care it really feels like they don't I know it's a hard thing to do what do you do like what is the answer because it's, it's so hard to stop people like, and people in the crowd doing like the Hitler salutes and things like that absolutely crazy I mean how are you going to turn people like that who are just that far gone are you going to turn them around and are they ever not going to be racist absolutely crazy just chipping on that though it's, it's one of these things where as us four sat here it's also very hard for us to comment on what should or shouldn't have happened because I doubt any of us here have ever been a victim of racist abuse exactly. so it's it's one of these difficult set of circumstances for people to be able to comment on really because having never gone you know been lucky enough or fortunate enough to never have been gone through that ourselves one thing I would like to know though I didn't really have clarity on is what would have happened if they'd have walked off and the game been abandoned? No, what would have happened with Cincinnati's forfeiting? I believe. Yeah, we'd have probably lost the game. That, that, Three 0 loss. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think. So even if even if the UEFA's, which apparently this this three step program has been in place for ten years now, but it's the first time I've ever seen it even nearly actioned, and they followed step one and step two. So if step three had been in action, and the referee that's called the, the referee calling it off. But what would have happened to the result? Would the game have need to be replayed? Would it, the result have stood as it is, or would it have been awarded to the team that wasn't? Uh, you know, um, knowing the UEFA, knowing UEFA as I do, they would have personally fined the referee twenty thousand pounds, then stopped all England fans ever watching the game <laughs> again and then giving all Bulgarians a medal. I saw online that if it would have happened after 70 minutes, they would have just let the result be what it is. But if he would have called the game up before 70 minutes, it would have been like a void game. And then I don't know what they do. And this this kind of factors into something else though. So let's say if they do that and set that precedent, obviously I, I'm sure there's an answer to this, but we just don't know it. So your team's 2-0 down. So your fans suddenly start being racist to try and get the game called off and succeed. Or it could happen, happen the other way, couldn't it? So you could end up like... Try, attempting to get a game abandoned to because the result either will stand after 70 minutes when you're winning or will get abandoned and replayed if you're losing so how how would it work in that respect I don't think we can trivialise it though like we have like I sort of said a, an off the cuff joke an off the cuff jokey comment and you've just mentioned that about teams 
possibly want to do on a purpose. I don't think it is like that. I think Harry got it pretty spot on. The people that are doing this are past the got the point of being turned back around. These are proper, proper racists. And the people in those countries and in these clubs that are going to football games and doing this have to just be shut down. It's like we're going to we're going to to Bratislava. They've already been racist once. I think that might even be the second time. If that happens again, unfortunately UEFA have got to say bad luck Slovakia. You've had your chance. You're no longer in UEFA. Bye. For the whole country of Slovakia. Yeah. Well, you've got. How else do you deal with it? What's the what punishment? Well, sh- surely at a club level, like you can't suddenly ban all Slovakian teams because one Slovakian club has a problem with racism. I'm not sure if it's widespread. Can you punish a nation because of what is essentially? in the grand schemes of a nation, a handful of people. I think they should throw throw Bulgaria out if they keep doing it. Just just don't let them even qualify for the Euros. We're getting countries and and you're getting the Europa League and the European qualifiers. What I'd say for the Europa League is, like Slava and Bratislava have been racist once, if that happens two or three times, I think they've done it twice now, if that happens three times, you've got to say, I'm sorry, but we can't have Slovakian teams in our competition. Because you've got an inherent problem with racism. No, not the teams. It's three times too many times, though. Yeah, exactly. it is. But that's the, I'm talking about the far extreme of... I can't remember who said it on the panel on the night, but they made a great point. Like, how was it right? How, was, how were you allowed to do it twice? Shouldn't it just be not allowed at all? I mean, yeah. letting them be racist twice. They're like, go on, do it twice. But if you do it again, then we'll punish you. But it needs to be stupid, this, this behind closed doors isn't a big enough punishment. It should oh, be... Oh, it's a joke. As we've touched on, it should be two games at Molyneux. Or Bulgaria should have been forced to play two games in England, or you kick them out. Kick them because out, I think. The way that there are TV cameras, and you know, if you want to spot anyone in the ground, you can pretty much do that. It's quite easy to see who these people are, and they made six arrests today, which is Wednesday, time of recording. But then it's sort of the charges from UEFA that have come in at the same time, which. Four for uh, Bulgaria and two for the English FA too. Is this something that they are taking seriously, Jack, if they're going in on any form of racism or any form of chanting that's said to be derogatory in that way that you have to uh, prosecute both national teams? I'm not sure. The problem is with UEFA is that it seems that all the action they're taking now is a little bit too little too late and the punishments aren't really reflective of the crimes that have been committed. And you can't, as we touched on last week on the podcast with the whole Nicholas Bentner Paddy Power thing, it didn't seem as though the punishments handed out for but between that and between other things regarding racism are are on the same sort of level. And as we've seen before, handed out punishments like, like the other night where they shut half the ground anyway because of this, with this being the possibility, that it still didn't have an effect on it. So I don't know how it works, but it's just the... the Obviously, everything that's against the rules, yes, needs to be punished, but there's different levels of, of punishment that need to be to be handed out. And at the moment, there seems there's a disparity between common sense and what's being given. It's very much closing the door after the horse has bolted, isn't it? It's um, They've had their chance to do this so many times and haven't. Is this going to be the final one? Is this now going to be a proper piece of action from them? Probably I mean, not. I can't see... I can't see Bulgaria staying in the competition. Well, no, because they're bottom of the group with three points. There, no, it's even like but, from this second um, onwards, no more games, and they no, get a ban for. That's not going to happen. Nothing happened. It was all the England fans, according to their manager. So that's that's that's, that's not going to happen. I think the last thing they want to do is start banning countries for this, and um, that's that's uh, plain to see. So, I, but why not? What, why not ban countries? Because if England fans were racist for argument's sake, would you then Great. want? Yeah, ban to us. Not, 
What, because you wouldn't want to see England in a, in a tournament because somebody else was racist? If we are getting sections of our fans and between our own fans, we can't stop that sort of behaviour, kick us out. Because it wouldn't happen. England fans would not tolerate that in a stadium. It happens in England Yeah, on a one or two basis. people and they are regularly thrown out and banned for life, personally. Like, yeah, but okay, you're saying I, that like, I, the, the club or the country should be banned and thrown out. Eventually, if it keeps going on like it is, then yeah, this is strike number three for Bulgaria. But I don't think what you said is just true about everyone who's racist at a football game in England gets immediately banned and banned for life. And I don't think that's true. You see, you see instances of racism on on a more regular basis than you think. We're not. We're not. Golden. We're very good at we're, dealing with it, though. We are good at ban- getting those people, prosecuting them, and banning them. Those Chelsea fans got done, didn't they? Was it last yeah. year for Sterling? And then there was that incident at Arsenal where a lad threw a banana on the pitch. He got done. So they are quite harsh on it in the Premier League. But as Jack says, we're not angels, are we? Over here, it happens a lot. I think it's racism under the banner of football, just like in the 80s, 70s and 80s and 90s, really. I suppose hooliganism, hooliganism was for the sake of fighting under the banner of football. Um, so it just seems, you know, these people do exist and they will find a way of, of doing it. But I suppose, will it really affect Bulgaria? They don't really qualify for, for many tournaments, especially in the last 10 years. Sort of those Berbatov years, maybe, when they were sort of larger players. But, you know, not... They're never going to get kicked out of a tournament, are they? You know, qualifying gets reset every time a tournament comes around. Mate, quite right. Did you also hear, just to turn the conversation a little bit, have you heard that there's been rumours floating around that this was all pre-set up? Stewards knew about it. Never. It was all a pre-arranged sort of thing because they were pissed off about something. That's crazy if that's true. Another thing I want to say is, I know he plays a Villa and I don't know whether he deserves to be in the squad, but I thought the way Tyrone Mings handled it was brilliant. And also I thought fair play to their captain as well because he actually ran over to their fans and he was pleading for them to stop. So a couple of good things to come out of it. Obviously Sterling, um, Rashford had to deal with it as well. And like you say, I mean, I think the way Sterling looks at it, he just likes to score, doesn't he, and rub it in their face. So Who said it in the group? I think if I was Sterling... I'd have gone and done the Adebayor celebration. Oh, yeah, I would have done, yeah, definitely. <laughs> He's so, very, very composed. Uh, you know, they, they dealt with it well. Um, it's in UEFA's hands now and, and the footballing world is watching on. So, aside from that England game, obviously there were minutes for uh, various players um, from the Wolves' first team. I mean, notably, I think the one that we're, we're all the most pleased about was the guy that didn't play in any international minutes because it seemed like he was in a tour of Britain at one stage uh, across various places, which is Raul Jimenez. I uh, saw one picture on his Instagram of him outside Salisbury Cathedral. So uh, as long as he hasn't got Novichok poisoning now, um, then it'll all be good. But uh, doing doing lots of stuff, taking the, the missus and um, a little puppy around with him. So it was nice to see. Um, but one conundrum, I think that I see a lot now and, and we talk about a lot is is Matt Doherty. How is he not playing for Ireland? It's a real problem, I think, because, you know, Ireland go and lose 2-0 to Switzerland uh, because Seamus Coleman is playing in that right wing back slot. He gets sent off. They concede an own goal. They lose 2-0 and now they've got to go and play Denmark, in which case Mick McCarthy, who bought Matt Doherty to Wolves, of course, is going, oh, I might play him now. Do you think it's ridiculous Harry that Matt Doherty isn't starting for uh, Ireland because you've got Alan Brown playing left wing back for Ireland and he plays for Preston (laughs) yeah it's a good point but maybe it's a 50-50 split between Coleman and Doherty they're both good players they both play at a kind of similar level in the league but let's be honest the beginning of this season Doherty's been out hasn't he he was out with a I think it was a cancer scare wasn't it he had so he's been out Uh, Mick McCarthy might look at that and think 
well, Coleman may have been playing a bit more. Let's play him. But obviously, we're going to say start Doherty. But at the same time, mate, looking from a bi- uh, you know, like a biased and uh, selfish point of view, I'm kind of glad he weren't playing. I want to keep him fit for us. So, um, and Ireland, you know, they, they drew nil-nil as well, didn't they? Was it away at Georgia, I think? So they've had a bit of a tough one. But he will be in there now, won't he, next one? Like you say, if Coleman's banned, so. Yeah, he's banned. So, yeah, he will probably slot right in there so see what happens and minutes again for the maverick that is Matinho for Portugal played at around 50 odd minutes uh, so started that game and then uh, was substituted for tactical reason- reasons and they lost to Ukraine obviously sealed their place for Euro 2020 so congratulations to Ukraine and this international break came at a good time did it Dan was it a, a, a good time to have those fantastic wins away at Besiktas obviously the first win in the Premier League against Watford and the stunning win against Manchester City away as well double-edged sword really we were playing good football and starting to come into it and playing like Wolves know how to but then at the same time players were getting tired I think Jimenez did need that break hopefully Jota gets himself fit so on balance yeah good international break Jack for you just round it up Uh, It's very hard to say whether it's a good international break or not until we uh, know how the games following the international break go. I think it's good that everyone's had a rest given the start we've had to the season really or not everyone but a lot of players have have had a rest or not played full full games. So... um, no, it's good. If we if we beat Southampton and then beat Bratislava, it's brilliant, isn't it? But if, if not, then there'll be the usual questions asked. Excellent. Right, OK. Uh, we'll move on to Premier League action. And it is a tie at Molyneux against Southampton. And your away perspective this week comes from John Bailey at the Saints FC podcast. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? John, thanks for coming on to begin with. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. Now, uh, last time out, it was an away game at St Mary's. Southampton won 3-1 and we were sort of thinking that it was going to be the double after such a great performance for Wolves against uh, Southampton at Molyneux earlier on the season. Bit of a different team for Southampton this time out. What do you think of your start to the season to begin with? Um, it's, well, it's been a mixture of uh, pretty dreadful and quite promising, so... Yeah, it's, it's been it has been strange. I've got to say, like we we can see Ralph Hasenhutl's definitely trying to have his effect on the team, but we just don't seem to be good enough to do what the manager's asking our team to do, um, which can be quite frustrating. And he experiments an awful lot uh, with his defensive lineups. So I mean, if you guys are lucky, you might end up facing Southampton with a left back in, you know, the right back position and with a right wing back in the left back position. And then you'll find that it's quite easy to get at us. Um, but hopefully he'll play, a sen- he'll play a sensible lineup against you guys um, and we'll be OK. But I mean, we've just been defensively, we've been horribly fragile this season. Uh, yet again shipping a, a lot well. of goals as well isn't it three losses in a row obviously that South Coast derby 3-1 against Bournemouth 2-1 loss against Spurs in North London and uh, last time out against Chelsea a 4-1 loss yeah yeah um, sorry to dig it in there uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean it has been pretty dreadful I, I do think we were probably quite distracted about the um, the game against Portsmouth when we played against Bournemouth for example mm. And I actually think the loss at home to Bournemouth was a bit of a freak result. We we had a, a crazy kind of starting lineup for the first half. Um, and then in the second half, we had something like 25 shots um, on goal at, at Bournemouth, um, which wasn't too dissimilar to the number of shots that Man City had when they demolished Watford. So, it, it, I mean, that I think was a bit of a freak result. The game against Tottenham was a very, very odd game. Um 
where again we just kind of didn't defend properly you know harry kane and um and hyun son min they're pretty i mean it's pretty obvious what they're going to do and we somehow don't defend against the obvious um and then i'm trying to think of a reasonable excuse for the chelsea game but i probably can't uh, that was just <laughs> dreadful to be honest uh, so did the international break come at a good time well, yeah, just to kind of stop the rot for a moment, I suppose. I mean, they always say it's good to have like a win and everyone feel really buoyed before the international break. But I think for us, it's probably good to have a breather and mm. just reassess what on earth we're doing. Because I think most Saints fans probably felt really confident at the start of the season that this wasn't going to be like the last two seasons. And the way it started makes us now all think, oh, crap, this is definitely <laughs> going to be like the last two seasons again. Um you know, and it's frustrating because we know we can do better. I mean, the game against Wolves last season, at the end of the season, was us playing well and us being quite, you know, hmm. quite efficient, playing quite well. You know, we beat Arsenal, we beat Tottenham uh, in the second half of last season as well. So we know we can be better than this, and that's probably the main frustration. It's just, it, it, you know, it's these individual errors and silly mistakes that are just costing us. And um, I mean, that is something that you know, it doesn't seem that a new manager can easily take out of the game. Um, you know, it's been a problem for us with the last three managers before him as well. And in terms of a starting eleven, what's it looking like? Uh, well, it's it's quite difficult to predict. I, I've I've got to be honest because the way he's kind of like messing around with the the lineups, especially the back line. Um, what I can do is probably give you what my preferred starting eleven would be, and we'll see how close <laughs> see he gets to that. <laughs> Um, I think we'll have Angus Gunn in goal, although you know, there's a lot of people now saying that, that Alex McCarthy should be brought back in. Um, we'll probably start with Jan Bednarek and Maya Yoshida in the centre of defence. I think um, Yannick Vestergaard, whilst he had a good game against Man United, is, is now dropped. Um, hopefully we'll have Bertrand at left back. Um, right back will probably be Jan Valerie because Cedric is uh, still recovering from injury. And then... So the formation is probably going to be a 4-2-2-2, which then occasionally changes formation as as we kind of like shift around the pitch. So you'll probably see Southampton play three different formations during the game, depending on whether they're attacking, defending or, or, or whatever. Um, so then your first two defensive midfielders are going to be Oriol Romero and Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. Then we'll likely have um, James Ward-Prowse, um, and maybe even Stuart Armstrong, I think, might get his first start. And then we'll probably have Ings and Redmond up the top. Um, but potentially with Che Adams could come in and take one of those positions as well. So, you know, it's it's not nailed on exactly who we're going to choose. And I think with the international break, we'll probably try doing something maybe slightly crazy. I guess the one danger man in there at the moment is the set piece master in James Ward-Prowse. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's not he's not started this season as well as he finished last season. At the end of last season, he was looking really really good, um, and he's just kind of like gone off the boil a little bit, which is a real shame because at the end of last season, it really looked like Braithwaite and Hooter was turning him into the player that lots of people have hoped he would become, and he he just seems to have moved away from that a little bit. I, I'd actually think. Um, I don't think he's going to be ready, but um, if Mr. Gineppo manages to start making his comeback from injury, he's really our, our danger man, which is astonishing because we've only had him in our team for a handful of games, but it already feels like we're missing him. Mm. Um, 
he's been so good. And, you know, Ings is on form as well. Um, depending on how your goalkeeper and defenders like to play the ball out from the back, that's probably going to be the biggest threat from Southampton will be um, the very, very high press. And if you're passing it around between your goalkeeper and centre-back, we might nick a goal that way. Um, what are your thoughts playing Wolves right now? Obviously, an indifferent start to the season, unbeaten in three now, obviously a win away at Manchester City last time out, international break, some of those players getting a rest too. Um, yeah, I think kind of like when I decided to go to this game, you guys were doing pretty badly and I thought, oh, OK, well, this could be quite good. We might get an away win uh, here. Um, also, Southampton do do better on the road than they do at St Mary's at the moment. Um, I don't know. I, I think it could go either way. Um, your win at Manchester City was really, really impressive. And it just shows that, you know, that win and the fact that Norwich managed to beat Man City, it does show that, you know, there's there's hope for for everyone. It's, you know, every team in the Premier League can be every, every other team in the Premier League, depending on the day. Um, but I think Saints and Wolves will probably be fairly evenly matched I mean you guys have had to play a lot more games this season than us and hopefully that might lower your level a little bit um, but I still think Wolves are probably a better side than Southampton at the moment we haven't seen the progress that we're expecting this season just yet and just finally a score prediction John um, I'm going to go 2-2 Good, good, good call. Score draw. Okay, well, best of bad luck, of course, for the weekend. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> thank you for catching up with us, and we'll speak to you later on in the season. Yeah, no worries. Good to speak again to them. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? So I think we can all feel pretty confident having listened to that, can't we, Harry? I think you sort of said to the group, um, feel good now. I didn't realise he thought how bad they were. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, I ain't took much notice of Southampton this year. I think I, I saw they lost to Chelsea, that big loss, 4-1, I think it was. But listening to him there saying that they're all over the shop at the back, their their manager's tinkering the team around, he don't know what he's doing, so that's only good news for us, isn't it? But as we've said, typical Wolves, we're going to win away at City, <laughs> play Southampton, they'll sit deep, we won't break them down and we'll lose 1-0. But nah, I'm confident, <laughs> I think we've got enough to beat them, especially after what uh, the away perspective said there about their manager tinkering it about. Harry, you need to stop coming out with these predictions because usually they actually come true. Because uh, <laughs> you sat here a couple of weeks ago, I think pre-Palace game, and you're sort of saying that you know we we, we might not beat Crystal Palace, and then in a couple of weeks we'll just go and beat City. Obviously, <laughs> that happened. Um, Jack, it's a, probably going to be a starting line lineup that was similar to the one that lost by three goals to Chelsea. Obviously, not the uh, only team in the league that's done that this season. Um, Nathan Redmond, ex-Blues, Shane Long, ex-Albion. Is that attack something that you're, you're scared of? Uh, no, not particularly, if I'm brutally honest. It's one of these... With Wolves, though, it's not so much about their their attack. It's just that now we've suddenly... That level of expectations back, isn't it? I think we had a bit of expectation to go and perform when we played Chelsea at home. And now suddenly we've put in a big performance away in Turkey. An even bigger performance, you could argue, away at Man City. And now suddenly we're looking at this as a game where, you know, we should, we should be looking at three points at home, considering we're playing a team that, you know, of a similar level, but has started worse than us in the league. So... Um, um, no, again, the away perspective from the guy what was did seem relatively negative. And if they're sorting out at the back, and you know their main tactic is to come with a high press and try and try and turn the ball over half the pitch and and break us down that way, then I think we'll be okay because we you know we're 
when we've got the defence and everyone on form, we're, we're, we're quite solid. But the issue is, like Harry said, is if they come, they completely sit back. And you know, it's been... Or even the one criticism probably under Nuno is that we struggle to break teams down who come and sit back. So it, it honestly could go either way. And it just... it. It depends on a lot of factors, but I'd be disappointed if we don't get at least something from the game on Saturday. And Dan, it's nice to have sort of a goal difference that isn't negative anymore. Back onto zero we go. Uh, how would you line up for this one? It's a really good question, isn't it? Because Fantastic question. It is because of how we played at City with players coming back. I really don't know, to be honest. I'm really interested to see what he does. Is he going to stick with what did so well at Man City but we're going to play a very different style of game I'd like to see Doherty and probably Johnny down the wide sides Traore up top again and bring Jotter on if he's, if he's fit. fit yeah if he's fit it's a real it's a real toss up isn't it I think we're going to play a, obviously a lot more attacking style of game um, but I want to see us control that middle I want to see Dendonka Matinho Neves but I just don't know what I'm going to I don't know what to expect at all Harry, does Ryan Bennett stay in that role that he took up for pretty much 75 minutes, keeping that clean sheet against Manchester City? Yeah, I think I would. I mean, Sace may be back, but I would start him just because I wanted to when he come on. It'd be interesting to see whether we play the 3-5-2, like we started against City, or play what we played away at Palace with like the 3-4-3 with Traore up top with like Jimenez and like, well, Jota was in the hole at the time, wasn't he? So it'd be interesting to see what Nuno does. Um, the away perspective bloke said they, they're they going to get their success, like Jack mentioned, from high pressure. So maybe it'd be better to start with the team that we played at City, have Traore and Vanagro ready to pounce to hit him on the break and hopefully Jimenez and Catrone up there if he does start Catrone. I'm not sure after he's missed, but hopefully they can pounce on Southampton, try and get an early goal on the break if they come at us and then hopefully do we get, do we get what, what we did against Watford and see it out and get a comfortable win I hope How's the midfield going to look for you Jack? Is it going to be the usual suspects? Yes Well yeah yeah. Um, midfield pricks itself really doesn't it it just depends on, on the formation changes but obviously Nevis has been the one who seems to miss out a, a little bit lately on occasion but um, yeah Matinia I mean Dondonka did really well I thought um, well Nevis and against Man City and um Against Man City, Nevers and Matinho, I thought were both brilliant in that sort of game. So, if it comes with this, I'd like it to be the sort of the same formation as the Man City away. To be honest with you, but I might change the wing backs. But the midfield is, you know, you know who's, who's going to be in there. Because it's just a whole different game, isn't it, from the Premier League champions in their own backyard? And it comes down to mentality again, doesn't it, Dan? When you sort of, we're seeing sort of little shifts being able to play those teams that sit back because I can't think of one last season where we were successful or took something away from a game where a team had done that whereas this season there have been sort of last minute saviours yeah I think the teams that have come and tried to play at Molyneux uh, that mid table and lower got dealt with it's when they come and sit back completely but I think Southampton will try and play some football I don't think it's going to be total negative is it from them Um, Mm. he needs to start proving himself so he's got to score some goals I don't know, because like, they're struggling, aren't they, Southampton? So when you're struggling, sometimes you just try and sort yourself out, don't you? Do you know what I mean? They've been shipping goals in, so it'd be interesting to see what they do. I, I saw, I had a look on their Twitter page before we started this podcast, and they've got like someone who does like a tactical, massive article piece, and he concluded at the end of it that the, our weakness, Wolves' weakness, is crosses in. Like we've got like the amount of goals we've conceded off the balls being crossed into the box this year is like really high. So he said he yeah. reckons that 
their manager, who I forget his name now because I can't pronounce Ralph it. Ralph Hasenhutl. There we go. They reckon he, he might really try and look to go wide and whip him in and get out get out of weakness there. So, But, I mean, look, remember our game last year against them at Molyneux? We beat them 2-0. We scored very late, didn't we? We couldn't get past them. And then we got that late goal by, I think it was Cavalero when he came on. Then Johnny scored. So it's going to be tough. On. It's going to be tough. There's no easy games at the Premier League, is there? If We all know if we turn up and we're on form and we're firing and we're not, um, not jet-lagged and it's not lethargic, that we should be able to come and turn them over. But... You know, it's it's the Premier League, and as you've seen, probably so far this season more than in, in other seasons, any team can beat anybody, and then they can go and get spanked five 0 the next week by somebody who was lower in the table than the team they beat, like like a Norwich thing. And if they win, they go level with us, so it's a massive incentive for them to come and get the win, and it drags them out from the bottom three. I think they're seventeenth, aren't they? So massive game for them, and we're expected to win. So it's one of them, and it? it's a very it is a coin flip. I agree with the away perspective. I mean, our fans are going to expect us to win. So Mon, you could get frustrated if we're twenty five minutes in at nil nil. Tough game. It is tough. And also, though, if we win, suddenly we're on fire again. Aren't we? yeah. We're back on looking. We're back ch- t- chasing that top seven. And, yeah, well, know, it would take us realistically into seventh place with a with three points depending obviously how other results go I mean, Burnley have got Leicester West Ham have got Everton um, Spurs have got Watford so may well be eighth I mean but you never know with Spurs this season so um, they might just be a bit Spursy in terms of a score prediction Dan um, let's say a 1-0 Wolves uh, Harry I think it'd be similar to last year. It'd take us a while, but I think we'll eventually win 2-0. And Jack? I uh, don't know, but I'm going to go 1-1 draw. 1-1 draw. I'm going to go 2-1 win. Let's get your latest betting odds and ticket news. Hi, I'm Kelly, Chris Kamara. You're listening to the 77 Club, and it's unbelievable, Jeff. As always, I have got our betting odds from our partners over at fansbet.com. Got some really good odds today. Uh, no one, although, being negative like Jack. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, a 1-0 Wolves, as I thought, and Jimenez to get the goal. Decent price, 24-1. to They boosted it wow. from 19-1. to Really optimistic 1-0, is that, Dan? It is an optimistic 1-0. But I've got, I'm going bigger. I'm going bigger to try and please you all. A 2-0 <laughs> win, and Treore to score either of the goals. It was 29-1. to It's now 34-1. to Ooh, I like boost. that. But you can't hear barn door. Ah. <laughs> Get, Get back in your box. Tick, ticket nonces later. <laughs> uh, the one I actually, the, the, the one I fancy, if Wolves do really turn it on, a 3-1 Wolves win, Neves to score any of the goals at any time. It was 39-1. to It is now 49-1. to Oh, that is a good boost. Especially with a goalkeeper who is shipping goals if they do stick yeah. with them. I do enjoy yeah. that. And then I've got one just just made up for Harry. Personal betting odd for Harry here. It's four-one Wolves, and his uh, his love is not love child. That's a bit weird. <laughs> but his lover Pedro Neto to score any of the goals. It is fifty-nine to one. Will he it play? It might as well be fifty-nine million to one. I tell you what, will he's he play, play though? That, that, I like the sound of that by this, but whether Neto would get on the pitch, I'm not sure. No, I don't think he. Will. I think he's still got a niggle as well. I only got it just for a mm. comedy effect. What's the chance of a three-one Wolves win? Neves any time, and Harry to delete his YouTube channel <laughs> the day after. What what odds are those? Pretty um, pretty, pretty low. Odds. I've heard the odds are going to decrease as Harry has each pint on Saturday morning. <laughs> just on that, I thought Harry wasn't drinking this weekend. I thought he was having a weekend off, aren't you, mate? Uh, but no, Wolves fans, no if comment. anyone sees Harry Mansell, please just get him a pint. No comment, jury. 
Uh, Jack, how's your ticket news? So, start with the home games. The Southampton game on Saturday is sold out. The home game against Bratislava, that is currently on sale to members and on general sale as of Saturday. Looking a bit further ahead now to the Villa home game, not the away game. So, the home game on the 10th of November, which is a Sunday 2pm, that is currently on sale to members with at least 150 points. And there's only around 100 tickets left of that online. So, that's going to be sold out very soon. Now, the away games. Now, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about the Bratislava away game and the debacle going on there with tickets shortly, but uh, the, the allocation we have for that is now completely sold out. Newcastle away is sold out. The Villa away game in the League Cup. Now, those 5,000 odd tickets sold out very quickly, I thought, and those are also sold out. And Arsenal away is sold out. So no one who hasn't got a ticket for an away game is uh, getting into one very soon there. All sold out. That's latest betting odds and ticket news. We'll move on to Bratislava. Hi, I'm Steve Ball, and you're listening to the 77 Club. So I'm sure they'll call it the Palava in Bratislava, <laughs> something we... to similar. And we're going. The flights were Cheap. all right at the time, weren't they? Especially mine, because Bayliss paid for those um, with his points. And so thank you. And. There seems to be hundreds of Wolves fans going and it's all about, I guess, finding somewhere to, to watch it or, or listen to it in Slovakian. I'm not really sure. what Harry, I want to hand it over to you just yeah. to explain how it sort of plays out in your head. Yeah, so we didn't mention this last week. Well, I think it had just come out, but we didn't mention it on the podcast about the bloody 15,000 uh, under-14s being able to get in. Obviously, we know that 200 Wolves fans are getting in now and we're in a big group, aren't we? Um, I mentioned Dan the man last week <laughs> got us uh, a big WhatsApp group I think there's a 50 odd in there so there'll be hundreds of Wolves fans there some lucky ones have got tickets who are gold away season ticket holders but for those who haven't at the moment it looks like all the Wolves fans who are going so if you listen to this and are we're going to meet at a, an Irish bar believe it or not that's what usually happens classic, yeah, classic. Either, so it? that's it yeah we've just got to make the most of it haven't we gutted this has happened I mean I did a video the other week and I said I wouldn't have cared if this would have been completely behind closed doors and UEFA stuck with what they were doing. I wouldn't have mattered. Fair enough. That's the ban. But the fact they've come out with this bloody rule of giving them 15,000 tickets with 1,000 adults and just 200 tickets for Wolves. Why not just go the little bit extra mile and give us like 1,500? UEFA are an absolute joke. So yeah, I don't know. Well, at least we know, Harry, it is between £1 and £2 per pint. Yeah. Oh, sorry, before you move on. Another thing that's really done my head in, there was meant to be a rule where UEFA couldn't charge more than 41 quid for an away ticket. They've charged them 200 Wolves fans 55 quid for a ticket. Bloody UEFA. I think the reason for that is the only allocation the club were able to get would have been like sort of the equivalent of hospitality tickets. So that allocation is not the standard normal normal tickets. They're going to be, yeah. um, you know, better than or, or via the club tickets. So I think I think in the club's defence, they've probably done all they can to, mm. to try and get at least some fans in there. It's just, it's not so much the unfortunate circumstances. I, I just feel like we're being punished because it's our fault, but it's just... It's taken so long to even get this all sorted and get clarity on this situation, whereby we didn't know how many tickets we were even going to potentially get or not get. Is it going to be postponed? Is it not going to be postponed? Are they letting in home fans? Are they not letting in home fans? Are they going to move it? Are they going to be completely up behind closed doors? It's just taken too long to sort out and they, they've left people in limbo and now we're in the situation where a lot of people have booked flights and everything over there. Albeit, okay, yeah, they told us not to, but we're being punished through no fault of our own, really. I just hope we get over there and it's proper dodgy and we can just bribe a 
steward to let us in or something there'll never be a few trying it well we'll end this I think the perfect line here has got to be UEFA can't organise a piss put a brewery but we can see you in the Irish bar certainly can or we can see you in the North Bank bar which is opening its doors and welcoming Wolves supporters to come together and watch the team next week so um, it's five quid including the entry how much uh, price it's of five a hot pint <laughs> yeah. yeah so um, is it better than the Wembley fan park it's probably better than a Budweiser beer tent and a Portaloo, I imagine, yeah. Um, but the bar opens at 4.30, so there's both alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks uh, for the 5.55 kickoff and just 300 tickets available for that. Wow. Talking of fan parks, are we going to the one Saturday? No. <laughs> what is that all about? I don't know. It's a new thing they're trying. Uh, Steve Ball's opening it at 1.30, apparently. I read on the article. Alcoholic beers. They got a big telly on with uh, pre-match features, so they're trying something new, aren't they? Trying to get Wolves fans in and around the ground a bit earlier and not stumbling towards the ground from the pub, drunk. To be fair, it's the perfect time to start as well, isn't it? October. It's like when you <laughs> you really want you really want to be stood outside, not in the glorious sunshine we've had for the the first few games of the season, but as soon as it starts to get bloody cold, you really want to have a pint, don't you? So oh, you mean when when it was like the hottest day of the year and there was about twelve Crusaders fans and it would have been the most perfect time to do it for a Europa League game. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I think October is probably sounds about right to me. But yeah, mid-October works well. A bit far for us to Best go, isn't it? We're going to fly back yeah. for that. That's very true. Yeah, that's, just, yeah. should we just not bother? Yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> it does seem a lot of effort. How can we break it? There was yeah. there was one guy in that WhatsApp group said his his flight lands on the Wednesday night. He's going to start digging a tunnel, and it should be open for the time <laughs> the kickoff starts. <laughs> Wow. Oh, we did say that if Bayliss was project managing our tunnel that we would end up just coming out at Molyneux so um, <laughs> so yeah there's no level up this week because uh, the technology won't allow it hopefully we'll be back to normal next week there is going to be some sort of podcast next week once we figure out the logistics of it um, but we'll get something out next week we promise so we will say goodbye to Harry Mansell see you in a bit Wolves fans Dan Bayliss goodbye Wolves fans Jack Williams to our beat and me goodbye the 77 Club, the Wolves podcast for the Gold and Black Army. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.